Adam here and welcome to this episode of the L&D Challenges podcast. Today I'm joined by Alfonso Bustos. Alfonso has a PhD in educational psychology, is head of Digital Academy at Rico Europe, but he also wears a few different hats and is a Harvard Business Review Council member and professor at the UPF Barcelona School of Management. He's an expert on how people and organizations learn, leadership, team management, instructional interactive design, and so much more. And today he's here to share some of his experience. And we're really, really honored to have you on, Alfonso. Thank you so much. And thank you for your kind invitation and for having me here in your podcast. It's a real, a great pleasure, a fantastic opportunity for sharing with you and so many people that follow your podcast. Thank you, Adam. Brilliant. It's awesome to have you here. So let's kick off with the first question. This podcast is all about engagement and impact. So I wanted to get into anything recently that you've implemented that has impacted learner engagement. Is there a particular a particular initiative you've rolled out? Or, or yeah, or how are you looking at this right now? Yeah, thank you. Let me introduce, first of all, our always in beta idea, Adam. I think that is interesting. Because about learner engagement, we need to work always in, in surprising the learners. Then this mentality, this is kind of mindset is very important. Always in beta in L&D departments is very important because suppose that you can try, you can learn, you can receive feedback and you can improve always the learner experience. And that suppose that you are based on or focused on the experience, not only the content and even not only this kind of courses, training materials, that then for me is very important to have this idea that we need to live in the L&D department in this always in beta, because always we are trying to introduce improvement, to make changes, to challenge the learners. And even the most important aspect is to receive as soon as possible the feedback from the learners and then improve the learning experience. And for me, that's very important in, in these topics. And for us in L&D in Europe, in Rico Europe, Alan, it's very important that we need to understand that with this feedback, we don't know refers only to the, to the commitment or the interest or even only the participation of the employees in the learning opportunities. When engagement is related to that, for sure, but it's not only about that. For us, refers, for instance, to the capabilities to create these learning experiences, to drive learner engagement by creating, for instance, immersive, interactive, and personalized learning environments. And for me, it's very important, this topic, the environment. Therefore, in our team right now, and from the last three to four years, Adam, we have been working in this kind of how to create these unique experiences for the learners, these wow experiences. And for sure that you can imagine that this is only possible with some kind of digital resources connected. That means with a digital learning ecosystem that led the learners to, to get involved in, in this kind of learning in a continuous, permanent, autonomous way. And if possible, learning with others always. As we have been trying the cohorts, team, teamwork for sure, and commits of practice, for instance. And for us, a very relevant aspect in, the, in these wow experiences are related in how we support learners to connect with others to share ideas, to be challenged by the others, then it's very important. And in, in this approach, Adam, the most important initiative that we are right now developing is about how to create a digital learning ecosystem to engage these learners. Then, as so many experts learn or know in our discipline, this 
can be possible if we connect the technology, if we offer this kind of learning ecosystem, incorporating aspects as gamification, simulation, virtual and augmented reality, personalization, and for sure, feedback mechanisms into the learning process. Right now, we are in our L&D area, developing this ecosystem. And let me share with you some ideas that we are integrating with this, because for sure that we have been using an LMS in the last, I don't know, maybe five, 10 years. But yeah. right now we are challenging the LMS. We are challenging this. We are trying to create an ecosystem connecting not only the LMS and not only LXP, for instance, but even selecting the best content in the market, creating this kind of skills-first approach, the skills-based approach that could be very yeah. interesting. Then we are including, for instance, in our ecosystem, these models in order to define the skills, to assess the skills, and to develop the skills that for us is very important. In our learning ecosystem, we are offering to all the employees the possibilities to identify these skills, to assess these skills, and to receive this kind of learning paths based on the skills that the employees there are selecting, or even the skills that they want to develop. Then this is very important for us. And for me, this is the most interesting aspect right now, Adam, that we are trying to connect the whole learning ecosystem with this skills-based approach. That suppose that we need to talk with business, we need to talk with employees about the skills. We need to have this kind of shared knowledge about the relevance of the skills right now. Then we are working a lot right now, trying to change this learning culture based on learning paths, courses, even job profiles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we want to change this based on skills definition. That's a big challenge right now. And I think that so many companies right now, Adam, we are facing this challenge and we are working a lot from this perspective. Brilliant. There's loads in there. So I want to recap it really quickly. And then I want to ask you more about this skills angle, because I think that is absolutely fascinating as well. So first of all, always in beta. That's just number one rule. If you're in learning and development, you're always in beta. Nothing is ever done or complete or once you roll out something, that's not the end of it. You don't sort of dust your hands and you're gone. That's a fantastic mentality. And I think that's a really important lesson for anybody new in learning development. Always, in Yeah, people. maybe I can I should add another idea, Adam, that yeah. is very important. I think that this mindset is very important because on the past, you know, the model was very solid. The learning opportunities, the learning resources always were well-defined, closed, because we were trying to use these learning resources in several occasions. But right now, we need to create this more flexible approach. Then they suppose that we need this better, the always better approach, and this very interesting. And the second topic is this kind of prototyping mindset in L&D that is very interesting. We need to promote this kind of, okay, let's prototype for sure. If we can create this with learner approach, with uh, using the learner's experience, that could be better, but always prototyping. Because in so many cases, the time to market in our learning departments is very long and it's not so good for business because we are not on you know, this mindset related with prototyping. Let's try to do something that if we want to receive feedback as soon as possible, then the prototype will improve and improve. I think that this... Yeah mindset related with improvement. Huh? It's like a, you're almost talking about a minimal viable product yeah. approach, an MVP totally. for a startup. So totally. you get something out the door, get actual feedback back on it, 
and then you iterate and improve from there. Is that what you're, is that what you're getting at? Totally. And yeah. for sure, maybe we can have a big debate or discussion about this MVP approach for learning resources. But yes, we should discuss this right? because maybe in so many opportunities, we can use this MVP approach and increase or to improve the time to market and offer great learning experiences. And that could be fine. We don't need to work in the same way, always trying to define the final product for the learners. I mean, yeah. product, but you know that I'm talking about the learning resources, the learning experience. Yeah. You don't need to create the final experience. You can try, you can test, you can propose this kind of MVP approach. And I think that, yes, we need to discuss this. We need to discuss this approach with the professionals in this area. I, I like it a lot. It's actually very reflective of how businesses are changing youth. The number of businesses we speak to that are moving over to an, an agile approach to development, to R&D. I'm sure in Rico in particular, you guys are probably massive on, on agile in particular, being very heavy in IT. And yeah, wh why isn't that same methodology translated over to how we do our learning? So yeah. Human resources yeah. department, they are moving this approach, agile approach. They, we in L&D, we need to move faster on that because for sure that we will be acting as promoters, even of this agile mindset, agile transformation. Yeah. Then we need to use this. No? <laughs> You're training people in Alnia. Yeah, totally. And for us, this has been a great experience. And I think that this is very important. Regard the learner engagement, for sure that the mindset behind how the L&D teams, we design the learning experiences is very important because with this, maybe with this kind of approach, as you say, agile, MVP, prototyping, following the learner experience approach, maybe we can create great learning experience to engage in a better way the learners in their companies. And that's the other thing I took from what you were just saying there. It's not so much about the what, which is maybe the courses or the learning. It's actually about the how. It's how are they, how are they getting those materials? It's the experience part of it. Are you making it really easy for people to learn? Are you putting it in the flow of work? Are you matching up the skills or are you kind of putting them down prescribed sort of pathways that, that doesn't, that don't sit right with them? So yeah, that's a good one as well. Great. Yes. And I think that this is, is, is a great topic. And for instance, in our case, we are developing our learning ecosystem. Consider all of these topics for sure. Hard to engage learners, how to connect, for instance, the business criteria, how to connect and even to identify the critical skills that business needs for the future. That, Adam, by the way, it's not so easy. It's very difficult to work on this approach, but we need to do that. We need to challenge business and to have this conversation. Try to define with us, the L&D expert, try to define with us the core critical skills. Let's try to discuss this. And not, for instance, the 100 skills that you did not, the three to five critical skills for the business now and in the next three to five years. I think that this is a great conversation, discussing the, these critical skills and then communicate these to the employees. Communicate always that these are the critical skills that business, they, they want to develop for the future or for thriving in the future. That's very important for me. And how are you balancing kind of existing needs versus future needs? Because I guess for a lot of people and probably a lot of learning development departments, you're very caught up in the business is still asking for things from you, aren't they? They just say, well, we need this and we need this. And you want to deliver on that, but also take a long-term view so that you're a couple of steps ahead of developing the right yeah. skills, balancing yeah. that. 
Adam, this is fantastic because maybe it's me this, but this is that big question, you know, that question, yeah, how to yeah, balance yeah. this, because it's very difficult. The most of the time, the business, they identify the skills that they need to develop, not today, but even yesterday, no? They always thinking on this, but we need to work with them in order to balance this. And for me, and let me share my experience or our experience in Rico, is that we are trying to create this kind of learning ecosystem, offering employees the possibility to identify the power skills as we define, as that's mean the core skills that business identify. And we want to create a great communication campaign, a great communication process in order to let all the employees to know these are the power skills. That's mean that the skills that for the next three to five years, and we want to combine this with the actual programs we are developing for the skills that the business needs for today. That's this is a big challenge, but I think that in our case, we are trying to balance this, creating this double approach, offering learning resources in order to solve the learning needs, demands for the business for today, and yeah. always talking about the future, talking about the future possibilities, the development possibilities, the career possibilities. And then you can manage this in a balanced perspective. And for sure, I think that the most important aspect of Adam is how we create this learning culture based on the conversation with managers and team members, sharing on this, the process of what or how there are opportunities to develop the skills that, for instance, customers require right now, and even the skills that we will be demanding in the future. That, and I think that the balance is very important. Looking for the balance is very relevant. And just because one main argument, Adam, that means employability for the future, then even for that, we need to work on this balance and to have this conversation with business leaders, defining the today skills no, and creating great campaigns, great communication, and great opportunities for all employees to identify future skills. That's important for me. Brilliant. I like what you're suggesting there about weaving in some of those future skills into your existing campaigns so that they form a part of that evolution of, of learning. Like you say, combine that with your MVP always in beta mentality and your existing stuff, I guess, is always improving and changing and adapting. And you're, you're then slowly closing that gap between future and existing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think cool. that, yeah, Adam, another concept that is very important, and even we need to discuss in a better way, this is personalization of learning. We have great, res great resources we are using, you can some kind of artificial intelligence in order to customize the learning recommendation, but not only recommendation, but even the learning paths related with the assessment results about the skills. For instance, uh, we suggest some employees to identify the three power skills as be business defined as relevant for the future. And we offer them the opportunity to assess the level of maturity of the, uh, on these skills. And the artificial intelligence lawyer uh, give them learning results and suggestions for, in order to improve these skills. For us, this is very important. But in this aspect, the personalization is relevant. The personalization, not only about the skills, the assessment, and even the learning resources, but even my personal choices, you know, how or where I want to be in the future. 
what kind of skills I want to develop for my future, in my career, in my growth process. That's very important for us. And personalization, I think that is a key component on this. Personalization is something that we need to discuss in a deeper way. What it means is not only about recommendation, it's not only about these possibilities of learning paths or learning resources. Even more is related with how we can balance these the skills that we need today to develop in order to thrive in the business process and the possibilities to identify the skills that we will need in the future and to decide, as a, you know, as an autonomous employee, where I want to be in the future and what I want to develop. Then personalization is very important. And I assume that we all know that personalization without technology, without artificial technology will be very different, very, very difficult. We need yeah, very difficult to do at any scale. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you can with a coach and explain everything and they could make some recommendations, exactly. but you're hundred percent. Exactly. Right. Then for this reason, Adam, for us, the core of the learning culture and the learner engagement is related with the learning ecosystem. How we are creating this, designing this, and offering several tools for the employee engagement about learning, development, skills, future, etc. That's important for me. Got you. Yeah, that's a way that you are achieving engagement and impact by empowering the employee and by giving them the tools to help them combine their own ambitions with the kind of the business ambitions and helping close that gap. And you mentioned before, so that that's a, I'm assuming that's a tech stack, not to get too into the weeds here, but you're combining multiple technologies there to sort of to try and achieve this. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. This podcast is brought to you by AssembleU, the audio learning specialists. Adam here, co-founder of AssembleU. My cousin Rich and I started AssembleU in 2022 after finding we were doing a lot of our own personal development using podcasts and audiobooks. We loved audio as a format and wanted to combine the convenience of listening to something with formal, outcome-driven learning that had real impact. The result is a power skills library that helps coach and guide listeners through critical topics like leadership, mental health, well-being, productivity, growth, sustainability, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Each AssembleU audio lesson is succinct and backed by research and real-life experience. They all include additional learning aids, including downloadable keypoint infographics, further reading lists, and testing. Listen to some free samples or find out more about how AssembleU can support your bespoke audio requirements by visiting assembleu.com. For instance, I think that we need to understand of, let's, Talk about, for instance, the KPIs, the indicators, that participation, no, that the level of use of the learning resources. Yes, that's important. But I think that we have, for instance, some kind of indicators about motivation, how we can motivate learners in order to promote the use of the learning resources. So even the skills evaluation or the skills definition, that's very important. And we need to increase motivation and we need to define how to evaluate this, how to have indicators about this. And the technology could be interesting. I'm not talking about only this kind of a net promoter score for the learning approach, not necessarily, but what I'm talking about, how we can receive feedback about not only satisfaction, but even how we are motivating these learners in order to, to use the resources, to develop the skills, to 
to be aware of the own development and to use the learning resources to, to manage that. And the second one, for instance, is how to receive this feedback from the learners. That's very important to have the technology in order to receive this feedback, not in an annual, not in an annual survey, but even directly. It's exactly when I use the learning resources, how we can or how I can offer feedback about this. And not only by the little stars that we can mark on the courses, but even more to having chat, for instance, to talk about the feedback of this course or to having an opportunity to open a conversation about these learning resources that I'm receiving. That's very important. The positive feedback and even recommendation loop for us is very important. Then the technology we use should be related to with this, with feedback and recommendation loops that we can create in this ecosystem. And the last one is the way in which we offer these skills. I think that this is a big challenge at I'm right now to identify the right tool in order to create the skills approach, the skills taxonomy, for instance, the skills definition. And after that, how we can connect these with the job profiles, for instance, with the task activities, and even with the learning resources. That's why we need, again, technology in order to maintain this. And for sure, the main or the biggest challenge is about the updating of this. How can we maintain updated all of this data of our employees? That's supposed that this with technology in order to organize this data and to use this and to share this, following the rules for sure, but offering great scenarios in order to define, to create, to organize, to update the skills and to assess and to have my own results about the skills, for instance, have my own learning paths in order to develop this. So yeah, what you're talking about is very highly personalized interactions for every individual in the company. So would it something like no, no two kind of set of recommendations is the same in an ideal world? Is that the sort of place you're trying to get to almost with, with, with this very hyper personalization? Yeah, I'm sure that we need to connect all these components. I need for sure that we need to understand how to use several technological resources, for instance, on this kind of artificial intelligence that is related with the tagging or the content administration. That's important. Yeah. But we have another levels of technology that can use the data of the learner around the, all the resources about what they are talking, for instance, in community of practice, what kind of conversation they are creating or what kind of topics they are adding in the community of practice, and then connect this with the learning resources. That's the level of personalization is complex because we need a lot of information about the activity. That's very important. I think the activity is the core topic in this case. And then we need to understand how we can use technology in order to follow the activity and to offer this kind of resources, information, very close to the activity process. That's mean in some way, Adam, that's mean learning in the flow of work, for instance. Yeah, yeah. Can you give us an example in, of that in action, maybe in the company of a kind of activity, learning happening at the right time, I think is what we're getting at there as well. Yeah, for us, it's very important because, for instance, when we work about this kind of data science approach or even data-driven mindset, for instance, we think that we have a lot of courses, Adam, about data visualization, even tools, no? 
Power BA or Tableau or Excel, for instance. We have all of these kind of resources. But from our perspective, we need to create this, the first of all, data approach for all in the organization. That's mean share wide data relevant and to identify in which of your activities you are using this kind of data approach, not only for visualization or for asking for or looking for insights or for creating great reports or for creating this kind of great dashboard. Then if you can follow this process and maybe you can offer different kinds of learning resources related with this, we are then trying to not to create this kind of big programs or great programs about data. What we are doing is trying to understand what kind of data approach several roles require. And even more to understand in which of the activities of these roles they are using this kind of data approach. Then we can offer learning resources in these topics. And for sure, we are connecting, for instance, Adam, our teams with this kind of resources. When the team in teams, they are talking about this data-driven approach, we can offer some kind of a specific, for instance, we are right now testing the assessments. We are launching this kind of assess your skills about data, about Power BI, about Tableau, about Excel, about macros, about this in the Teams environment, sharing with the group of people they are working or they are talking or they are trying to advance in this process. Then we are offering in the activity this kind of assessment. And the assessment is creative, designed in order to help these colleagues in order to identify learning resources in order to develop this. I think that this is an interesting experiment that we are trying to manage, how to offer during this process, this kind of resources. And I said before, it's not offering, Adam, the course, it's not offering the lesson, the video. It's offering a resource in order to assess your level of maturity, proficiency as you want about this skill. In this case, it's data. It could be data visualization or it could be Power BI and a mastery level. I don't know, but we want to, to do that. Then to follow the activity, you need technology to follow the activity and to be closer as possible with this activity. Yeah, that's a far more nuanced approach. Instead of just throwing Power BI courses at someone who doesn't have as much experience in Power BI as someone else, you're actually going into detail and understanding exactly where the skills gaps lie and where you can be most effective basically through through assessments to start off with and putting those in the flow of work by including them through microsoft teams and stuff but making it super simple and uh, low friction is a word i uh, a phrase i like at the moment <laughs> low friction as possible to, to yeah, for people it's to a use. Challenge. yeah how are you finding that is that kind of the biggest challenge this kind of the getting understanding where people's skills gaps are what what's the big kind of headache for you is it just connecting all these different technologies in a meaningful way that, that, that does what you want. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think that this is a big challenge. We need to work a lot, first of all, in the, at the learning culture level, mm. because you need to create this framework, Adam, in order to talk about this. Then you need to create the framework that the skills are relevant, the gap and the identification of the gap is relevant. And after that, you can create the, so this Vygotskian concept that I love it, this son of proximal development. You can identify not only the gap, but even your next level of maturity, your next level of domain. You, that's very important for us. And it's a big challenge. We actually, 
I think, Adam, that we don't have right now the correct technology or the full technology for this. We need to work a lot on this topic. A great example for me is about for so many years, we have been working on this idea that learning on the task, offering learning resources on the task, not only on demand, but on the task. If I'm trying to do something with Power BI, with Excel, or if I'm trying to manage some kind of new technologies, we need to offer these learning resources on the task because that's the great moment for the learning. That's important. We are talking here about learning, not about training. I think that this is the relevant topic. Then we need to identify these kind of technologies in order to be close to the task of these colleagues and offer the specific resources to learn or to improve. As I said before, to develop for the next level. But Adam, I think that this is a challenge right now. We need to try. We need to to prototype several ways. We are trying to use teams. We are trying to use assessment process in, in the task. We are testing all of these resources. I think that we need to talk a little bit more about these kind of resources for learning, not for training. Let me say that. Yeah. 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 And there's, that's an interesting difference that you've, you've you kind of highlighted there. The training will always have a place. I think there's always a time to take a break from the work, learn something new and then obviously there's the whole making sure you apply it and all that kind of stuff to to ensure that there's pull through training and what you're really talking about is learning and that kind of en- enablement of learning as people are going about their day-to-day making it frictionless yeah. easy and yeah totally. identifying the problems first of all quickly and then offering a very quick and timely solution I assume. And I think that's personalization and for sure that we that's need it. to find the balance again at the balance between the training processes that are relevant and will be relevant in the future too. But even the learning processes that we want to support, that we want to haze using the technology, it's again, a matter of balance. And I think that it's important, not only focus on the training processes, but in the learning processes too, on how to offer learning resources in, in the space of the activity. That's very important. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then the, I guess we, we've touched on this a few times already as part of what we've been talking about, but how are you thinking about impact here? And how are you, are you attempting to measure it? Is it something that, like you say, with some of the kind of the feedback metrics you talked about earlier, is that is that your kind of main, your main kind of impact metrics? Or is there any, are you taking a different approach to, to impact through all this? Yes, I think that this is very relevant to, to define these kind of KPIs, these kinds of metrics related with this certification, satisfaction, training hours, for sure, because this kind of data will be very important. But we need to move forward on these kind of indicators or metrics in order to identify the relevant ones for business. And that's mean, and I think that this is a very important aspect in the skills approach, Adam, because the skills approach is not only the possibility to develop the skills using the learning resources, but using the skills on the activity. That's very important. And for yeah. sure that we can have this kind of this kind of indicators about customer interaction, for instance, about teamwork, about meetings, about some other topics that are relevant because could be indicator of how we are using the knowledge, we are using the skills that suppose that we develop, then we need to, to, move, to move toward this direction from my perspective, identify this kind of metrics, how the people they are using this. 
And for sure, it's not nothing new at all, because we have been talking several years, Adam, about this transfer, no? transfer learning. This means using the learning in the context of the activity. That's yeah. important. Then we need to identify how we can use these this skills in order to improve anything. The way in which we work together, for instance, the way in which we arrive or follow the customer needs, for instance, the way in which we offer resources, information, dashboard, for instance, for the business leaders in order to make choices, to, to define the strategy. And I think that we can do that. We can follow these kind of indicators. And finally, for instance, in our case, Adam, we, we are using this Gallup engagement survey. Maybe you remember this. Yeah. And we are very, we follow the, these results for sure. We follow specifically these questions about learning and development. And we are trying to understand how we, from L&D approach, learning resources, learning ecosystem, learning opportunities, how we are contributing to this, to this engagement report. That's for us is very important, trying to understand in a deeper way how we are contributing to this engagement. In this case, because we are using Gallup, but we are working a lot on this, moving toward these kind of indicators. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's really, really interesting. Cool. Sounds like you've got loads going on. You've got some amazing projects that you're working on and your approach to them is super refreshing, forward thinking, etc. I've got one question I want to end on, which was if you were starting in a new company where learning engagement was low and learning culture was poor, maybe, I don't know, maybe another big company where actually sort of learning had unfortunately been forgotten about and didn't have the same love and attention that it does at Rico. What would you do? Where would you start? Well, again, it's very interesting. It's challenging, this, this question. But I think that from my perspective, Adam, I'm from learning sciences approach. I think that the most important or the first topic relevant for this is, let me say this, data, data, data. Assess the current state. Identify and conduct this comprehensive assessment of the current state of the learning and development, the learning culture. They, you need to understand if this company, this organization, they have this data-driven approach from the learning and development perspective. If not, you need to create that. Then the first topic for me is always, and I think that is very important, is data. And just, again, not only a general framework of data about learning, the most common data, but even all kind of data that you can identify and process. What people they need to develop, how they are doing this, what kind of feedback we can receive from employees, for managers, for business leaders, about the learning process, about the learning resources, about the digital learning ecosystem. We need data about all of these topics. Then this is, for me, this is the first approach that is relevant, Adam. And the second one is for sure, it's engaged stakeholders. You need to talk with the stakeholders about the relevance of this process. You need to include not only the senior leaders for sure, but you need to include employees and subject matter experts. And even this is another kind of data. I'm really surprised, Adam, when in some companies they don't know where the subject matter expert they are and who they are. We need to know that. We need to know where the subject matter expert and we need to talk with them. We need to receive feedback, feedback from them. Then engage, engaging this stakeholder doesn't meet only war with the senior leadership. That means with talking with employees, talking with the subject matter expert and identify the expectation 
for learning and development and to have data about this, then I think that this is the second step. And for sure, it's very common to say that you need to engage the senior leadership or the board members in order to transform this. For sure, that's important. But I think that you need to engage even more the subject matter expert because we are talking about this. That's important. Yeah, I think you make a really good point there because a lot of the information, the expertise, the knowledge in an organization is often locked within these groups of people, these SMEs, these people that are the best sales guys or the best IT technicians, whoever they are within the business. And actually your big opportunity is tapping into and and unlocking that quite quickly because probably doing it, if not formally, in an informal way, because they're the people that everybody goes to in the office to ask questions or they're the ones that are achieving the best results and whatever. So, so yeah, no, that's a, that's really good. Don't C-suite and high level buy-in, super important, always is to get any new process or something like that in a way, but subject matter experts don't underestimate how important and the power of them. Absolutely. And you, and I think that the key concept here is that even in this kind of poor learning cultures, if we can say that, even in this kind of situation, Learning is happening, you know? Of course. It means they are working. The informal learning is happening. Then we need to understand how it's happening. (laughs) How the people, they are sharing knowledge. They are creating these practices. We need to understand that. Not in a deeper way, but we need to understand that. Then if we want to change, if we want to transform, even better, if we want to improve together, we need to understand in the first step this, where the knowledge is sharing who is sharing the knowledge, Yeah, how they are sharing, because always happens. The problem is that happen, happens in the, this informal, total informal way. No? That, that, yeah. Then and we need not, to it, work on that. Like how can you then, I guess the first stage, document it, and then you can replicate it in different, across mm-hmm. different departments. And, and yeah, and if everybody's using Teams in a certain way, or maybe the dev team is on a different program altogether because they prefer Slack or something like that, and they've got groups and they're sharing knowledge in that, all that kind of stuff. It's, yeah, it's probably happening, isn't it? And it's just not on the radar of the learning department. Yeah, then it's imagine that this is a great combination from my perspective, a data-driven approach, then that's the first step. The second one is you need the subject matter expert. You need to understand how learning is happening in this company. And the third one, I think this key component for sure is the C-suite commitment. You need to offer arguments, resources, indicators, and even this kind of in order to support how this strategy will support business. Yeah, I remember that in, in my experience working with L&D departments in several companies, for instance, like a, in a bank years ago, maybe, or in the one of the most important NGOs in the world five years ago, for instance, or eight years ago, the main topic was talking with these leaders and talking about how the business indicators are relevant or even the same indicators for L&D departments. If we want to move something, it's about business indicators. That's for me, is very important. It's difficult to understand this because in so many cases, we, we try to identify our own indicators, you know, it's about learning, about learning satisfaction, about et cetera. But now we need to understand that. that then, but this is part of the data-driven approach, Adam. Yeah. Understanding the and, business. And it's actually your job, our job as senior people in learning and development to make that case to the C-suite, isn't it? And to advocate for learning and to tie it up with 
business indicators so that it gets the proper buy-in and the budget and everything else that's required. Yeah, for sure. And I think that we can find in this process, for sure, a challenging process. For instance, the soil approach in the organization is very difficult to manage from this, from this approach. When this department area thinks that they are the owners of the knowledge, the smiths, yeah. the data, etc. The silo approach is, I think that it's a difficult process to, in order to promote this kind of learning transformation. Yeah. Yeah. You got to break down those silos and share the knowledge. That's the... Um, yeah. And for instance, we can say, for instance, measuring the outcomes in an effective way, you know, aligning with business goals, for sure. Breaking down silos, as you say, and addressing resistance. I think that so many people share that we in HR or L&D, we are this kind of change management experts, no? We need to do something like that. We need to manage the, the, this and we need to promote and to create this context in order to promote the change. That's important for sure. We need to manage resistance because the human being always are resistance to the changes for sure. Yeah, no. So, and this is it. I was having a similar conversation actually with somebody Recently, it was another, it was another podcast interview and we were, I think we were just talking about the number of hats that you have to wear as someone mm. in learning and development. Now you're a change manager, you're a project manager, you're in a lot of cases have to get very savvy with IT and artificial intelligence. You're an internal marketer, you're an advocate, you are a breaker down of silos. <laughs> so you're a communications expert. Yeah. It's actually a fascinating role with so many different bits to it. And it's a very nuanced role, isn't it? And in fact, becoming more nuanced, I'd say, as learning and development is getting a bigger and bigger seat at the table at the top. Yeah, and I think that this is very relevant. Just from my perspective, I think that I have been talking in the last three, maybe four years about this idea, Adam, the future of work is, I'm really convinced and I think that this is an important aspect. The future of work is learning because learning should be in the future in every space of the world. Because if not, it will be very difficult to be flexible, to, to create this kind of, even the skills that we will need in the future of yeah. work. That's very important. And the last aspect is that even more, I think that the learning and development, the learning departments, the learning as a, as a strategy in the company should be very important because the future of war is related with this. And just let me add two ideas. The first one is that because we are challenging the employee experience on in this in these years, this is very important to manage the employee experience. The learning opportunities, development opportunities are the most important aspect of this employee experience. And I think that should be more important. And the second aspect of this, and this is just my personal opinion, and this is my, my personal position. I think that one of the biggest challenges right now is related to burnout in the company. And I'm sure that offering learning opportunities, offering a clear, a very personalized learning system, a very close related with activity, with tasks, with the skills, learning culture could be a great element in order to minimize or to, to deal with this burnout process that in so many companies we will be suffering in the future. That for me, that's very important. Not to forget that this is another key topic why the companies we need to create, to design, to maintain a healthy learning culture. Yeah. And yeah. just for saying that a healthy learning culture is related with this kind of safe, psychological safe space no? or context. As so many scientific psychologists, they say, no, it is very important. And then 
just adding that for sure that we need to have these several hats in our marketing, communication, yeah. change management, but even more, we need to think in that learning as an opportunity to create, maintain, to, to design this employee experience and to offer these elements related with well-being, with health, and with the challenge of the burnout in the world. It's not, for sure that is not the only element, Adam, but I think that will be very important in the future to think about how people learn at the workplace, not only because of the business results, not only because of the, that's very important, that's the core element, but should be related in the future with the health, with these this environments for the people in order to develop the potentiality and to engage at the end, the process, to engage with the company, to to follow the purpose, be part of the company objectives. I think that this is very important. Yeah, no, aligning purpose, exactly. And two of our most popular audios from the last year in terms of number of people that have listened have been avoiding burnout and imposter syndrome. And yeah. So 100%, we're kind of, we're actually seeing that in real time in terms of in terms of usage and the kind of stuff that people are looking for and searching for, which is fascinating. The future of work is learning. I've written that down because I think that's going to be a book that you're going to write soon. Oh, yeah, so with your support. <laughs> I put that down as your book title. So yeah, the future of work is. <laughs> yeah, I have this newsletter in LinkedIn about yeah. this future of work is learning, and I think that we need to discuss this for sure. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it, and that, actually, everything you faced there is brilliant. Learning is so important for you know. Not only do you wear all these hats, but like you say, the whole employee experience can be improved and kind of supercharged by an effective learning department as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, Alfonso. We'll leave it there. We've been talking a while and I think we could probably go another hour if left unchecked. So we'll we'll wrap things up and I'll let you get on with your evening, but really appreciated your time. Is there anything you want to point anybody to, any of the listeners? I know you, you write quite a lot. If people want to follow your work, is following you on LinkedIn or something like that the best place to, to do that? Yeah, maybe LinkedIn is the best place. And even this newsletter, The Future of Work is Learning, yeah. for sharing ideas, even for creating this kind of safe debate about this role of learning in the corporate, in the context of the work. And even more, just Adam, if we are designing the future of work, if we have this opportunity to design how people will work in the future, we have an opportunity to discuss, a great opportunity to discuss how people learn. In, in, in the workplace, how people learn at workplace and how people learn with others, how people learn using technology, using learning, these kind of resources. That's, I think that we need to discuss this too. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time and thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode and we hope you'll join us for that.